You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast ahead of the Seahawks game against the Carolina Panthers. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hello, John. Hello, Jen. It's a little different this week when we're not anticipating 80 degrees at kickoff. Yeah. On a beach enjoying the sun in Tampa. I kind of enjoyed Tampa. It was nice. Right up until the end of that game. Well, yeah. I more meant the weather. (laughs) That was uh, was a nice little break there in November. But the Seahawks, of course, are back at home this week to host the Panthers, who are starting to feel a little bit like a division opponent given how often they have played in the last few years, John. Yeah, this will be five straight years playing in the regular season with a pair of playoff games in there as well. So, uh, yeah, I've heard that a lot from players in the locker room. They kind of say it feels like a division game, feels like a division game, which, you know, these games can be fun because the teams, you don't – it's not so much like being surprised by anything. They know what each other are going to do, and it's more just – who goes out and executes it and stops what the other team does well. You do have a lot of film. Even if the Panthers don't look like the Panthers of 2015, you still have a lot of film and can kind of anticipate what it is that they're going to go to this week. Yeah, and you mentioned 2015 when they obviously went to the Super Bowl or 15-1. and won. One of the things you keep hearing over and over from players is, this is from in the Seahawks side is this is a good Carolina team no matter what the record says. You know, there's still a ton of talent there. They've lost five games by three points or less, so this could very easily be a team with a winning record right in the hunt for division titles and playoff spots and all that. So this is not a case at all where they're going to be taken lightly. Yeah, they have lost five of the last seven games. They have lost um, five games, as you mentioned, decided by three points last year. That was a situation that the the Panthers excelled in. And, And I think you see that, that it is hard to climb that mountain again yeah and I think our theme for this week just for this entire Seahawks Insider podcast is cause for concern and I ask that with a question because there's so many different things that you can look at that playoff picture is something that we're going to get to but let's start with the Seahawks because so many people are looking at that game against Tampa and you can choose to go to the overreaction side or you can choose to throw it away is last week's game a cause for concern not a big one in my mind for a lot of reasons for one we'll get more into the standings later but it didn't really hurt them that much in terms of trying to win the division get a buy all that stuff uh but more importantly i just i don't think this team is suddenly you know they played three game they've won three in a row looked pretty good i'd say progressively better on offense in all three games they you know that won that really good win in new england I just don't think this team suddenly got terrible. I just, you know, teams have bad weeks in the NFL. It's really hard to stay good over and over again. And the offense had a rough day. They couldn't really block Tampa Bay. You didn't have Justin Britt, who's been your best offensive lineman. So, look, if they lose again at home this week and the offense doesn't show up, then, okay, now maybe we need to start really talking about what's wrong, what's going on. But I just I have a hunch. You go back to some of the games this year where they've been pretty bad offensively. They're two games without a touchdown. They came back and responded pretty well both those both times. So it's you know I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Well, and when you point that out, 
Sunday was the third time this year they have failed to score a touchdown. Not ideal. Is that a cause for concern? Yeah. If if the last two had happened recently as well, I'd be more worried. Um, right or wrong, I tend to kind of throw out everything that happens against the Rams because for whatever reason, the Seahawks offense has almost always struggled against the Rams defense in recent years. So uh, until you have to worry about the Rams in the playoffs, that doesn't concern me a whole lot. It's, you know, it's not ideal, obviously, but I just, I really have a hunch that what we've seen the last few weeks is more indicative of what the Seahawks offense is going to be down the stretch than what we saw in Tampa Bay. And I would tend to agree with you. And if for nothing else than just the way the players reacted, and I don't want to give fans the impression that they don't care, but there's a very different feeling after a game when you lose and you know that it was just a bad day at work, right? Exactly. Nobody thought they played well after that game. They're not making excuses. They're not searching for answers. Every single one of them have said, it is a bad game. We do not need help moving on from this one. You know, it was funny to listen to Tyler Lockett today. He said, it's like somebody just spit in your face and you can't do anything about it. And you know you never want that to happen again. So yeah. we just don't plan to play like that again. No. And, you know, you go back and look at even the best team. This has been brought up before. One of the most remarkable streaks this team has going. They haven't lost a game by more than 10 points since the middle of 2011 season. Last week, they played. the Seahawks played pretty awful on offense, at least. And that streak is still alive. I mean, the, the Patriots, who have been far and away one of the best teams in the NFL forever, They've lost four games by more than double digits in that span. They've been blown out a couple times. It happens to everybody. You just you have bad games, and it's not ideal. You don't want to do it too often because it can knock you out of a home playoff game, things like that. But I just again, until we see this become a pattern, and I know, like you said earlier, they've had a couple bad offensive games already this year. But until it's you know back to back and late in the season when they tend to be better, I'm just not that worried. Well, and I think everybody else, that that is kind of the other feeling in the locker room is, you know, we've seemed to have done this a few times before. We seem to have gotten to the point where everybody thought we were just going to run the table or just have all these dominating wins. We lay an egg. It's a good reminder that if you don't bring your A game and if you don't play like you're capable, you will get beat. And they have all said we would rather that happen right now than in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. We'd rather that happen right now than when it's going to affect playoff standings differently. So I would agree that overall last week is not a cause for concern. Scoring, I, I think you're right. The trajectory prior to last week had been going in the right direction. You get back at home with some other factors going in your favor. I think that probably turns around. The offensive line, though, John, another thing that people are talking about this week with some more changes coming, is that a cause for concern? Um. No, I, I'm going to say no, but with a, I'm going to be kind of hesitant on that. Continuity is a big deal on the offensive line. So, you know, anytime you're making changes, it, it can cause some issues. But when you're talking about, again, big picture, what can get you best for the playoffs, if they think Bradley Sowell is the better fit there, you know, they gave him a really long look in that game. And I don't think... I don't think he played that much because they knew right then and there we're making the change. I think it was we want to get the tape of this guy so we can go back, look at it, compare it to some things, and they made that choice this week. So if he's the best guy going forward, you make that change. You might have some growing pains, but it's gonna if it's going to make you better for the playoffs, then you do it. The other, you know, when you talk about continuity, whatever, the other issue was not having Justin Britt. Yeah. That was a temporary thing. He's back. Joey Hunt, look, he did really well for yes. a rookie playing his first game. That's a tough ask. 
but you're still talking about replacing the guy who's been your best lineman all year with a rookie who's never played. Well, and I wonder too, and, and you're right, Joey did a great job for making his first NFL start. And they said that he handled everything the way that he was supposed to. And I do think that Britt was probably the missing piece that would have changed a lot on offense just because his recognition of some of those stunts exactly. up front would have come a little quicker. It's not that the communication wasn't there. He's just got a better base of knowledge on how to counter that that Joey just hasn't had yet. Yeah, you need experience to get that. And that's why you Pete mentioned that a couple times in his press conferences, the stunts. And I think he was probably bringing that up for a reason because he knew that, look, if we have Justin Britton there and he's a veteran guy who's been playing this position all year, he would maybe not every one of them, they would have probably given up some sacks, but he would have picked some of that up. And when you talk about Bradley Sowell moving from the left side to the right side, because remember, he was slated to be the starting left tackle at one point. He was the starting left tackle until the injury. And it was interesting that Tom Cable said kind of the blessing in disguise or the silver lining is the injury allowed him to work on footwork on the other side a little bit. Otherwise, I don't know that you could make that change the no. same way. And uh, as Tom Cable said, if if what ends up being their best combination for the end of the year is Fant at left tackle and Sal on the right side, then that is that injury as much as you know he didn't want to go through it and the team didn't want to go through it at the time. It could be the best thing for you because if he doesn't get hurt, I don't think you're going to plug Fant in at left tackle to replace a healthy Bradley Sowell. But if if that extra time, because he's been out there practicing for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he got back from this injury. Right. They threw him in there. He got a couple of weeks to practice on the right side a lot and get used to it. So we'll see how it plays out. But this could have actually worked out pretty well for him. Some people, though, would say George Fant played like a rookie. And that was, Jermaine yeah. Effetti played like a rookie. Yeah, I mean, they were coaches were honest that, you know, George Fant and – Effetti's kind of inconsistency has been the thing for him. He's had, they're saying his last two games before this were his probably two best games. He took a step back. They still obviously are really excited about long-term prospect there, but they need more consistency out of him. Fans been interesting because you, you figure what happened last week with just getting beat a few times on the edge. That's kind of what you worried you'd see right off the bat with putting an undrafted rookie who's basically never played football since he was a kid. That that was more, I think we kind of finally saw what everyone was afraid would happen from the get-go. But the fact that he played so well the last couple of games and kept progressing, I think, has that offensive line, the, the coaches, Tom Cable, all that, they're encouraged enough that that will be more of a one-off than a big issue well and I think there were some adjustments that were made in game by Fant and you could argue maybe not as effectively as you would like but I saw plenty of conversations between him and Tom Cable which is not usually the case usually George is kind of off doing what he needs to be doing but I saw some extra coaching on the sidelines um and that was the first time he'd face kind of an edge guy yeah like that this uh, that real like a a speed just gonna try to run use that speed to run by and he got him a couple times but you're right a lot of that was early and he did he did clean it up some i you know it wasn't perfect the rest way but it got better which is the most important thing yeah okay so we've decided that that is not so much a cause for concern although jury's out on my twitter mentions would disagree but that's okay (laughs) well that's all right that's why you're one of the insiders john so let's talk defense and i I think this is almost a silly question to ask if there's any cause for concern. The only reason I would even bring it up is that we never see this defense give up touchdowns on the first two drives of a game. They don't allow that many points in the first quarter of games, sometimes in entire games. Is there a cause for concern? 
Um, I'm boy, I'm just Mr. Positive today, but I'm going to say no <laughs> uh, for two reasons. One, because of what they did after that. Yeah. You gave up those two touchdowns. Then you went three and a half quarters without allowing a point. And two, you were missing. You can make a pretty strong case that Earl Thomas and Michael Bennett are two of, if not the two most important players on that defense, at least two of four. You know, you yeah. throw Bobby Wagner in there, Richard Sherman. You know, there's a lot of It's great... dangerous to start naming names exactly. on the defense because then, then you're like, it, well, what about, oh, wait, what about this Cam? guy yeah. and this guy. And okay. Then, yeah. two, no, just... But we can definitively say two of the best <laughs> and most important players on that defense, one of whom you have never played without, ever. So, uh, yeah, if look, if, if they'd just been hemorrhaging points all game long and then you think, shoot, is this defense that fragile that you're missing some guys? But they cleaned it up. You're going to get a bunch of those guys back. You're maybe going to get Deshaun Shedd, Earl Thomas. You're going to get Mike Bennett back. You're getting Mike Morgan back. They started five guys at strong side linebacker this year. That's that is amazing. Not ideal. So you're you're suddenly in in the plus side. If you want to put a positive spin on these injuries, is now your defensive line rotation is deeper and more experienced than it would have been because you've had Frank Clark playing eighty percent of snaps. You've had Cassius Marsh playing more. Demontre Moore playing more. You're going to be better for this in the long run. So, no, I, defense, I mean, and after all of this, they still have allowed the fewest points in the NFL. Yeah, so that's what I was going to I, say. I just, to me, we're, I, I, they've set such a high standard, and I get it. Like, when they're right, it's so impressive that when something like that happens, they do allow two touchdowns. People just kind of freak out because you're not used to it. But it's like, it, the other people are good, too. I mean, Mike yeah. Evans is a hell of a player. Jameis Winston is a very good quarterback now and I think going to be a great mm-hmm. one at some point in his career. So they got you a few times. But, look, they gave up 14 points in the entire game on a day because these things go hand-in-hand, and the defense was getting no help from the offense, and they still held them with 14 yeah. points. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think we can just say to flush last week's game and move on. For the Panthers, though, I'm not sure that they're in the same position when you ask, is there cause for concern? Given where Carolina is this year compared to last year, John, I think there's a lot of people who say, yeah, they should be worried in Charlotte. Well, I mean, first of all, they've left themselves almost no margin for error from a playoff standpoint. I mean, you can look at they probably need to win out, and even then that might not do it for them. But I mean, yeah, you look at that roster and a lot of the big names from, from last year's team, most notably the MVP, is still there. But the the defense seems to be missing Josh Norman. I mean, their pass defense is 29th in the league, which it's interesting to me that they can be 29th in the league while being among the league leaders in sacks. To me, those things seem counterintuitive. But, they, you know, they've got two rookies starting at cornerback. That's, you know, maybe something the Seahawks would try to exploit this week, you would think. But, uh yeah, I mean it's and we talked we touched on this earlier. It's it shows how fine the margin is in this league. Where last year they won a lot of close games. They won some blowouts too, but they won a lot of close games. Went fifteen one. This year, almost every close game they've been in, they've lost, and it's just been totally different story for them. And it's not just the injuries that have added up, but I think it's also just not knowing, not being prepared for what happens after you get to a Super Bowl and after having that success, which is something that Pete Carroll has talked about at length throughout the years, but was brought up again this week. And and just how that conversation has to start long before you ever have success. Yeah, It's got to start before the season starts so that you are prepared, win or lose, to handle that situation. It, it is. It's really tough. And one of the things Pete Carroll's talked about a lot is it's not just losing the Super Bowl where you're devastated by that. It's, it's win or lose. What comes with that? It's, I mean, there's a couple extra weeks of football, so maybe you're not as rested. But more than that, it's just the attention that comes with it, the scrutiny, everything. You know, people, contract stuff becomes a lot of times a bigger deal when you're coming off a Super Bowl. And 
the Seahawks, it, it was a little bit of a struggle for them both years coming off the Super Bowl. You can look back and say they went to the Super Bowl back-to-back years, so there was an issue. But that 2014 season, they had some ups and downs early. Mm-hmm. Last year, obviously, they were 2-4, and four, had had their struggles. But, I mean, I, I think they probably were going through a lot of what Carolina is. They, just, they were able to kind of right the ship a little bit, and Carolina hasn't been. I thought it was interesting this week on the conference call we did. Ron Rivera mentioned he actually, after coming off the Super Bowl, he went and kind of tried to find, do a little research on what the Seahawks did, what Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll did, because he looked at, look, Pete Carroll took a team to the Super Bowl and went right back the next year. So they handled that situation well. Unfortunately for the Panthers, it just hasn't quite gone right. But it is it is so hard to just keep that consistency in the NFL. Well, especially when they are dealing with as many injuries as they're dealing with. They put two centers on IR this yeah, week. They're down to their third string center who is going to have to um, adjust to a hungry and well-rested defensive line. You've already put your left tackle, Michael Orr, on IR. It looks like your right guard is going to move right to tackle. right tackle this week because your right tackle is down who oh by the way is now going to have to deal with Michael Bennett and Frank Clark they're in a tough position and that's not even counting the other injuries on defense or to skill positions yeah no they're they've had a injury wise they've had a really rough year and I mean they're not going to get a lot of sympathy for the Seahawks they've had some issues too but it, yeah it's been it's been rough for Carolina and it just it's just another reminder of how incredibly fine the line is. And the NFL does this on purpose. They want parity. They make it hard to stock a roster, all that stuff. So it's we're seeing it. It's caught up to them a little bit this year, and you you know it's, we'll see how they respond to it. And they might end up snapping a string that's been going on since 2008. You talk about a Super Bowl hangover, but actually since 2008 – Every team who has appeared in the Super Bowl and lost has made the playoffs the year before. If you go back to 2008 of the 15 who made the Super Bowl have made the playoffs, and then four of those teams have won games. The Seahawks have done that twice. The Patriots have done that a couple of times, which leads us to our last topic for the day. And you already said no cause for concern as to where the Seahawks are in the playoff race, but let's just kind of give a general picture as to where they sit. Yeah, right now they're they're pretty comfortably ahead in the NFC West. They were they were one of four NFC West teams to go east and lose last week, so that didn't hurt them there. They've got a three-game lead. Uh, you can't assume they're going to win it, but their chances look good. Then you start looking at bye weeks, home field, all that. Uh, look, that loss did hurt them if you're trying to catch Dallas for the one seed, which already was going to be tough. Now it got tougher because Dallas only has one loss. Um, we'll see if that comes back to haunt them. If it comes down to one game, then you, you're going to look back and kick yourself. But when you look at the two seed, they're still in control there. They've got the half game thanks to that tie on a couple of four-loss teams. And the, the next best team in the NFC is the Giants at 8-3, and three, but they're stuck behind Dallas, so they're a wild-card team right now. So ultimately, you could still get a bye, get a home game, and then see what happens. You might have to go on the road for the NFC Championship game. But if, if that's how it shakes out, that's still a pretty good year. I would say so, especially with the way that the Seahawks by this year came so early. Exactly. It's going to be getting just that break. about at the right it. time. Yeah. And if you take a look at the Seahawks opponents compared to the other teams, because you do need to make sure that you stay ahead of Detroit and you need to stay ahead of Atlanta. Both of those teams are kind of nipping at your heels. And the Seahawks do, I don't want to say luck out in the scheduling, because it very easily could have not gone that direction. 
but it appears that they have a favorable schedule. Yeah, they've got. I don't have it right in front of me, but I don't think they have anybody with a currently with a winning record in front of them. So. That is correct. So if they take care of business and they use that game in Tampa as kind of the uh, reminder and a little turning point for the the last part of the season, I think they're probably in good shape. I think so. Which means we're going to have to come up with more topics to talk about as the weeks keep going on. I'm sure. We, it's the we final always, push. We, we all, there's always something to talk about with this team, as is evidenced every week. And if you've missed a podcast or if you just missed John and I because, well, we're so fun to listen to, make sure that you check out all of our podcasts at Seahawks.com slash podcast. We are also on iTunes. And we, of course, will be back next week to preview the next part of the Seahawks schedule. Until then, John Boyle, Jen Mueller, thanks for listening.